Inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? You told us we're going to be time to panic. Well, is it time to panic? Well, let me just tell you, folks, it's never going to be time to panic because we're never going to give up. We're not going to give up on America. America is worth it. America is worth fighting for. America is worth not giving up. And while we have that attitude of not giving up, we are constantly going to be searching, strategizing, coming up with ways to prevail. We've got the basics. We have we have millions and millions of Americans that are fed up. Can't wait to do something about it. There will be a series of ideas that people come up with based on dealing with the fraud that we know we have to deal with. You're not alone. You're not a singular individual all by yourself out there trying to fight these people by yourself. There are 74 million plus and growing. We're not going to give up on America. From sea to shining sea, three hours of bold truth and excellence. The Wendy Bell Radio Program. Welcome, my friends, hour number three. Holy Moses of the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Delighted to be with you. So glad you're here. You know, it's a spitefulness, I think. That there's this there's this very petty spitefulness um, on the left that I find particularly distasteful. It's almost as though the same childish garbage that happened on the playground in middle school like they've never grown out of it. It's never been graduated from. There's been no maturity. There's been no progress. The people who claim to be all about progress are really all about America in retrograde, about us going backwards, about us doing things in totally ridiculous ways. But it's so interesting when someone snaps out of it. Look, they want to think that or say, create the narrative that MAGA is some extremist, uh, nationalistic, white, crazy fringe group of conservative Republicans. MAGA isn't a, it's not a description. It's an idea. It's, It's the idea that America should be extraordinary for all. That is so offensive, I think, to the elitist leftists and their minions who have no idea that they're merely acting like clone troopers in a really bad Star Wars movie. But every now and again, somebody wakes up and they snap out of the trance. And, and it's interesting to watch. Who are some of these people who, who've snapped out of the trance of liberalism? Well, Brandon Straka. Brandon Straka, who decided as a as a gay liberal, he didn't support what the Democrats were doing. And he made this decision he was going to walk away from the movement. I'm going to walk away. See, the Democrats think they own all things LGBT, right? They think they own minorities. They own that that place. And they've trampled it for too long, and people are aware, which is why you see this blacks for, for Trump. I mean, when he went to... In Georgia, when he was in his arraignment, right, and he got his mug shot, who were the people lining the streets for him? These were people leaving 
their homes, their, their jobs, and specifically finding the route of his caravan to stand on the street and to hoot and holler and wave in solidarity and support of what clearly was wrong. See, the problem for the left is they want to create and own that victim status while at the same time victimizing people and thinking that we don't see it. This one walk away, though, is very interesting to me. When it's a member in the media who walks away, think about, think about Michael Schellenberger and Matt Taibbi. These are the two of the independent journalists Elon Musk gave the Twitter files to. I'm going to trust you with this information. Go forth and publish what you find. And what did they expose? I think what was not surprising to anyone, any of us, but the, the incestuous revolving door relationship between our federal government and social media was disturbing. Not surprising, disturbing how much they've come after us. Well, I want to read you this. This is a former New York Times editorial page writer who has written a scathing essay about the newspaper's culture and his exit from it. And it's very telling. It's like the gentleman I read you earlier in the program in hour number two. I think it was the, the, in hour number one where I was talking about this fossil fuel craze written by a guy who's very logical about why this climate hysteria is, is ridiculous when you look at all of the things that we rely on fossil fuels for. Here's your story. It's on justthenews.com if you want to check it out. It starts like this. James Bennett, the former editorial page editor of the New York Times, has written a scathing column about his departure from the paper, criticizing the Times for what he sees as a shift away from its previous journalistic principles. Any reporter, anybody in media, as I was, as Carrie Lake was, as a bunch of people have been who've walked away from the industry, because it's so dark and it's taken such a detour from what its original ideas were. You can understand this scathing column about why he left and what he watched as the demise of any kind of journalistic integrity at the New York Times. Are you surprised? No, but this is interesting. Bennett gave his version of the story of his departure in a 16,000 word article in The Economist, where he's currently a columnist. In the article titled, When the New York Times Lost Its Way, he describes what he sees as the Times shift from traditional journalistic principles, according to the Daily Wire, and courage to an illiberal philosophy of the news. Illiberal. I'm hearing that word a lot more. Interesting. Quote, the Times problem has metastasized from liberal bias to Illiberal bias, he writes, from an inclination to favor one side of the national debate to an impulse to shut debate down altogether, Bennett wrote in the UK-based publication. Think about RFK Jr. shutting him down, shutting down debate. Joe Biden not talking to anybody. I will not debate anybody. Not Marianne Williamson, not RFK Jr., not Donald Trump, not Nikki Haley, nobody. Huh, how illiberal of you. 
The article is critical of Times publisher A.G. Solzberger and former executive editor Dean Beckett, both of whom Bennett accuses of sacrificing him when they came under some pressure instead of standing for principles that they had previously claimed to believe. Look, standing up for what you believe in for some people is an almost insurmountable task. They've gotten sucked into this wave of, no- of nonsense. And rather than stand up and say, I'm not down with that. It's not what this is about. They go along with the flow. Only a very select few think Riley Gaines in her own industry, her own field. Think about these trailblazing, honestly, pioneers of no, I will not go with you on that one. It's important. Bennett says he was forced out of the paper in June of 2020 over an op-ed that he greenlit and published in the Times, written by the Republican Senator Tom Cotton, an ally of then-President Donald Trump. Cotton advocated for the activation of the military to fortify local and state law enforcement to protect Americans against rioters and looters who were terrorizing and destroying communities amid mass civil unrest over the death of George Floyd. Bennett expressed regret for his words at the time, referring to a Zoom meeting after the paper had come under criticism for publishing the Cotton op-ed, which he was the one who said, let's go. And he wrote this, as my first turn to speak came up, I was still struggling with what I should apologize for, Bennett wrote in The Economist. I was not going to apologize for denying my colleagues humanity or endangering their lives. I hadn't done those things. I was not going to apologize for publishing the op-ed. Finally, I came up with something that felt true. I told the meeting I was sorry for the pain that my leadership of opinion, the section of the newspaper that the article was published in, had caused. What a pathetic thing to say, he says in reflection. I did not think to add, because I'd lost track of this truth myself by then, that opinion journalism that never causes pain is not journalism. It can't hope to move society forward. Well, the Times has pushed back on Bennett's version of events in a statement from Times spokeswoman Danielle Rhodes. Ha, blah, 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 blah. We believe unequivocally in the principle of independence, yada, yada, yada. No, you didn't. You were butthurt that an ally of Donald Trump, a senator named Tom Cotton, wrote an opinion piece saying we need to be protected from craziness. And it's craziness that's created by the left. Here is the guy who was the sacrificial lamb of this story, who decided to, in the voice of journalistic integrity, publish something that the folks at the New York Times refuted. That's not called an open marketplace of ideas, ladies and gentlemen. It's called one-sided warfare with the silencing, the canceling, the exterminating of the other side. Now, this gentleman lost his job, but he sees so clearly what is going on. It is a cesspool of the weak and the insecure and the triggered because that is all they have. And when you walk away, it's amazing how you can breathe again. Don't go anywhere. Coming up next on the Wendy Bell Radio program. How about this? Calls growing, not just for Claudine Gay's removal from Harvard, but the whole freaking board. 
Oh, buckle up, friends. That's next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. Well, if you're a frequent flyer of this here Wendy Bell Radio program, you know I have spent a great deal of time digging into this whole Harvard nonsense. This Claudine Gay president, a woman groomed for this position because it was time, ladies and gentlemen, for a black woman to take over at that institution. That in and of itself is... uh, It's a non-winning idea because merit works. Merit works. People who work hard, people who make the sacrifices, people who are talented at what they're doing should be rewarded with positions that accommodate that, that take that into account. But that's not where we are anymore. It is the, the soft bigotry of low expectations, as George Bush said. And we're living it right now. But I believe the Harvard story deserves our attention because it might be there in Massachusetts, in that small little zip code, where the ridiculousness of all things woke go to die. And here's why. It's not just calls for Claudine Gay to get axed. We're going to talk about that in the next segment because that's growing. It's about the whole board now. The whole Harvard board is under pressure to resign. Ladies and gentlemen, one can only imagine. These are the elitist of elites. These are the people who know better. These are the people, and I quote, who believe they answer only to God. Ew. Don't you need like a sponge bath now? You're like, ugh, that's so gross. Why would you say that? These people and their true colors are coming out. Dailymail.com. Harvard board under pressure to resign after standing by embattled President Claudine Gay over disastrous anti-Semitism testimony. These folks thought they had it in the bag. No, we're not going to we're not going to get rid of her. No, we're going to have hundreds of alleged faculty and TAs and other people come out of the woodwork and say, "We totally stand by her. She's super duper. She's a great leader, right? We think that's going to save us." Oh no. Uh, oh no. Bill Ackman, the b- b- billionaire has a lot more stuff to say about this. And money talks, friends. The board that believes it answers only to God is feeling a little pressure. Here's your story. The Harvard University board is under pressure to resign. Oops. Over its handling of the anti-Semitism furor. In the wake of burgeoning calls for Claudine Gay to resign... Faculty members are now also turning the spotlight on the other 11 members of the Harvard Corporation, the Ivy League's powerful governing body, which continues to support her. Might be a bad bet, folks. Everyone is replaceable. One professor has even suggested an overhaul of the governance structure to give lawmakers the opportunity to appoint board members who represent the public interest. That's according to the Wall Street Journal. Meanwhile, the former Harvard Medical School dean, guy named Jeffrey Flyer, 
said he told the board members Tracy Palandigan and Paul Finnegan to do more to address the ongoing turmoil surrounding the school. All of a sudden, they're getting it from other departments. Hey, uh, it ain't working. Whatever y'all are trying to sell, nobody's buying. Might be a good time to about face. Quote, you need to be more out front of this, Flyer recalled telling the execs as he spoke with the New York Times. If the people are saying the university is making mistakes, they are talking about you. See, I'm interested in this story. Because if it can happen to the Harvard Corporation of blowhards, ostensibly, judging by their reaction to what should be a non a, a no conversationer anti-semitic views not allowed it gives me great hope that this is possible with our government too they're under pressure that is obvious flyer said they are a fiduciary body nobody will deny that harvard's reputation has taken a very substantial hit in the world it is on their watch that it is happening. A professor says the school faces a fork in the road and the board members must resign in order for it to choose the right path. Couldn't agree more. The big question now is, how arrogant is Harvard? The professor of bioengineering and applied physics said. And when I say Harvard, I mean Harvard Corporation. Do they think this is going to go away Oh, no. They bargained wrong. They gambled with the wrong bookie, my friends. And to quote my dear friend, Reverend Jeremiah Wright, the chickens have come home to roost. It's delicious. Do not go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. As the calls for Claudine Gay to pack up and get out, grow louder, and even Barack Obama can't save her next there is no way that harvard university can continue being harvard university while allowing its president to get away with what it does not allow its students to do it is an educational hypocrisy that the blind can see and it is such a fascinating story to see who comes out of the woodwork. Who comes to the defense of Harvard. And the pushback. Does it come down to this? Does it come down to a woman? And let's just call her what she is. She is a black woman who is unable to take a stand and say, on her campus, the most vile of ugly views are not allowable. That you can privately think what you wish, but we're not interested in this campus being your zip code of activism. School's supposed to be about school. It's, about to be, it's supposed to be about education. It's, it's supposed to be about learning as a student what you don't want to do. That's like 95% of it. Because along the way, you find out something that, huh, I, I never really thought about that.
that's the value of college in addition to learning how to live by yourself and and make responsible decisions and and live with the consequences of your actions i mean there are innumerable reasons why college could be beneficial but they're ruining it now when you've got the new york times and the wall street journal excuse me new york times and the uh, washington post coming forward with their own op-ed pieces their own opinion pieces saying claudine gay has got to go from harvard university no ifs, ands, or buts. Ladies and gentlemen, you have people awakening in the very deep trenches of establishment sock. I just read to you a little blurb of an article of the former opinion editor from the New York Times saying he was basically the sacrificial lamb. He got canned because he made the grave error of publishing a Senator Tom Cotton, a Trump-supporting Republican's column regarding safety and security after George Floyd. And him having the awakening, seeing the pushback, and seeing what he was really involved in. Wait a minute. How long has this place been dirty? Thank God he walked away, right? Thank God they pushed him out. Well, it's not just a former opinion guy. It's current people, too. Here's this from the Washington Post. Opinion. This is by Ruth Marcus, one of the opinion writers. Harvard's Claudine Gay should resign. That in and of itself right there is a victory on the pendulum of Realville. Let's get back into the things that matter. She plagiarized her acknowledgments. This is how this opinion piece starts. She plagiarized her acknowledgments. What? You can't even come up with an original thought in whatever your scholarly works are, and you've got to rip off somebody else? Dr. Gay? How are you so not humiliated and mortified and embarrassed? I bet you she is. I bet you she is. The inner turmoil has got to be disastrous. She plagiarized her acknowledgments. I take no joy in saying this, Ruth Marcus writes. But Harvard President Claudine Gay ought to resign. Her track record is unbefitting the president of the country's premier university. Remaining on the job would send a bad signal, bad signal to students about the gravity of her conduct. Bad signal already sent, Ruth. This was not my original instinct, she writes. I thought and continue to believe that Gay's accusers... And their allies were motivated more by conservative ideology <laughs> and the desire to score points against the most elite of institutions than by any commitment to academic rigor. Wake up, Ruth! It doesn't all boil down to Democrats and Republicans. It comes down to right or wrong. North is still freaking North. It's not debatable. It's not on the auction block. We're not up for grabs. It is what it is. And thank God you've sort of come to that conclusion. She writes, this was and is accompanied by no small dose of racism. And the conviction that a black woman couldn't possibly be qualified to lead Harvard. See, this is where you're wrong, Ruth. I don't care that she's black. I don't care that she's a woman. It makes me angry that she jumped other people when, by all looks of it, she wasn't qualified. If you're a PhD, if you've received your doc, your doctorate, and you've been groomed 
to lead an institution of higher learning? Is it too much to ask that you don't cheat? That you don't cut corners, you don't bend, you don't lie, you don't fabricate? Look, this is a far cry from my kid in the eighth grade making up his bread mold science project and getting 100% on it and me not realizing it until I got the grade back and was like, I don't remember you growing mold. I lied about the whole damn thing. That's a teachable moment. This woman is a grown up. Don't you dare use the racism gender card on us. If you suck, it doesn't matter if you suck and you're white. Or if you suck and you're black, you still suck. Ruth. She sucks too, by the way. In addition, the initial reports of plagiarism seemed small bore. Oh, we're going to make excuses for it. That's healthy. Gay's missteps did not mean to and did not seem to involve sweeping appropriations of carefully crafted words or thoughtful ideas, but a failure to put mostly boilerplate language inside quotation marks. Stop making excuses to protect someone on your side who nevertheless sucks. Moreover, plagiarism in the digital age is a there but for the grace of God event. Every writer should worry about the risk of the accidental cut and paste. Oh, Ruth. Oh, Ruth. You're triggered. How unfortunate. I'd like to think I'd recognize and remove any language I hadn't written, but who can be certain? It is always best to cite and even overcredit the work of others. Charitableness begins at home. (sighs) And yet, she continues, the instances of problematic citation and the work of Gay, a political scientist, have have become too many to ignore. Some go well beyond routine use of the same language. The Washington Free Beacon's Aaron Sibarium reported that in at least 10 instances, Gay lifted full sentences, even entire paragraphs, with just a word or two tweaked. In her 1997 doctoral dissertation, for example, Gay quoted from a paper by Bradley Palmquist and D. Stephen Voss, then her colleagues in the Harvard Political Science Department about turnout rates among black voters. This is the one sign that the data contain little aggregation bias, they wrote. If racial turnout rates change depending upon a precinct's racial mix, which is one description of bias, a linear form would be unlikely in a simple scatter plot. Blah, 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 blah. Gay's dissertation which nowhere cites Palmquist and Voss, contains nearly identical language. This is one sign that the data contain little aggregation bias, she wrote. If racial turnout rates change depending upon a precinct's racial mix, blah, 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 blah. She lifted the damn thing. That's not sloppiness, Ms. Marcus writes. That's plagiarism. Harvard's own material underscores this conclusion. Quote, plagiarism is defined as the act of either intentionally or unintentionally submitting work that was written by someone else. It's manual for students. Advises, if you turn in a paper in which you have included material from any source without citing that source, you have plagiarized. Ms. Marcus continues, though. Perhaps the most disturbing example 
is the least academic gay's borrowing of words from another scholar. Jennifer L. Hochschild. In her acknowledgments for a 1996 book, Hawk's Child described a mentor who, quote, showed me the importance of getting the data right and of following where they lead without fear or favor and, quote, drove me harder than I sometimes wanted to be driven. Gay's dissertation thanked her thesis advisor who, quote, reminded me of the importance of getting the data right and following where they lead without fear or favor. And her family, who, quote, drove me harder than I sometimes wanted to be driven. Now, can I just say, acknowledgments are the easiest and most fun part of writing a book. It's the place where you list your sources and your allies and all of the people who helped you get the manuscript over the finish line. Why not come up with your own thanks? What does it say about a person who chooses to appropriate another's language for this most personal task? Harvard said it launched an inquiry into gay's conduct after being contacted by the New York Post in October about plagiarism allegations. It said an independent panel of three respected political scientists with no ties to Harvard had examined gay's published works and found instances of, quote, inadequate citations that, while regrettable, did not constitute research misconduct because there was no evidence of intentional deception or recklessness. Please. It said Gay had submitted four corrections to two articles, and after questions were raised about her dissertation, she promised to update that document as well to fix duplicative language without appropriate attribution. Really? But here's what Harvard tells its students. Taking credit for anyone else's work is stealing. And it is unacceptable in all academic situations, whether you do it intentionally or by accident. Which raises the question, is the university president's work being held to the same standards? Sure doesn't look that way. The pendulum swingeth. Don't go anywhere. Why Barack Obama rode in to try to save Harvard's president next. You know, and I have to think, too, the the tragic consequences of, of this crazy stuff that, by the way, Clarence Thomas rejected 30 years ago. And he said this affirmative action thing will not end well. You will create an environment in which people will have skepticism over the actual qualifications of a minority who's put in a position of notoriety, of repute, what have you. And so people who might be supremely talented and deserving, who are also box checkers, will be looked at through very specific lenses. And Clarence Thomas said, that's not how it should be. We are a meritocracy. We are we're a country based on results. Not skin color, not you know, not gonads. Not DNA, but what you do with all of those god-given things that you have. Barack Obama, an acolyte of this globalist nonsense of Klaus Schwab presumably, 
was groomed specifically, specifically in law school at Columbia or wherever he was. I think it was an undergrad at Columbia and he went to Harvard. He went to Harvard, right? Groomed to be the malignant ne'er-do-well that he was as president. Because there's no denying that this country went down the toilet with Barack Obama. Race relations went to crap. The first black president. He was not interested in the presidency. He was interested in the destruction of America. That is what communists, Marxists, all of these people want. That is the goal, right? So you have to imagine, of course, that's why he came in and rode in on his white horse, the shining, you know, the knight in shining armor to try to save Claudine Gay. I don't think there's a, there's enough to save her. I don't think that the the financial ripple effect, the repercussions, particularly among the very wealthy Jewish community, who are big benefactors of Harvard, will tolerate this. And this will be the end, I hope, of Barack Obama's wielding of any power. New York Post. Obama secretly pushed Harvard to keep President Claudine gay, despite campus anti-Semitism, plagiarism controversies. Really? Why so, Barack? Why so? Why are you still involved in all of this? Because this is the manifestation of his suck. To open the door to this. Remove talented people and put in other people who create a tapestry, an outward idea of diversity that really is not very diverse because it sucks. Former President Barack Obama has secretly lobbied Harvard University officials to stick by embattled President Claudine Gay as she faces pressure to resign for giving cover to anti-Semitism on campus and for committing rampant plagiarism. Obama, in 1991 of Harvard's law school, privately urged the university to let Gay remain in office after she testified December 5th before the House Education and Workforce Committee that calls for the genocide of Jews may be permissible under the school's code of conduct, depending on, quote, context. Well, why are you getting involved, Barack? Why? Is this your baby? This is your baby. This was your objective, Muddy the waters so that it's only what your eyes see and not what your ears hear when you speak with somebody. It sounded like people were being asked to close ranks to keep the broader administration stable, including its composition, a source told Jewish Insider of the former president's clandestine effort. The report did not say whether that effort had continued after Gay's scholarship was called into questioning following her testimony for dozens of instances of alleged plagiarism. I don't think we're alleged anymore. I think that ship has sailed, folks. Cat's out of the bag. It ain't alleged. A spokesperson for Obama did not immediately respond. Of course not. What's he going to say? This is important. She's got to stay in her position because she represents everything that I've been fighting for the last 20 years to do. And that is to make everything miserable, to corrupt the Navy with nonsense about gender and, and sexuality and pronouns and LGBT. How about just how to be a good person or to read literature? Gay had previously told the Boston Globe in a statement, I stand by the integrity of my scholarship. 
Did she admit at that point that she had plagiarized her acknowledgments? No. On Wednesday, Harvard announced it, that the examples of duplicative language without appropriate attribution were found in Gay's 1997 doctoral dissertation. Blah, blah, blah. Then you've got what? Pritzker. You know the Pritzker family, big Biden donors, big people in the Biden administration. Penny Pritzker. Well, she serves as the senior fellow of the Harvard Corporation, university's highest governing body. All these people of suck are connected. Not what the, nothing that they do pushes forward ideas and innovation and encourages young minds. It's about indoctrinating the way Barack Obama was indoctrinated at Columbia. He was groomed to be a senator, to be a president, to be the right-hand man of this current administration. And to God willing, cling on for a fourth term. Will that be the one that officially destroys these United States? I don't think anybody is surprised that Barack Obama's name comes up here. I don't know how many people actually see that man's name and think, ah, that was a smart vote both times. At least not somebody who's being intellectually honest with themselves. Thanks for spending part of this day after with us here at the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Delighted, as always, to be with you. Hey, Liz Collin, the fall of Minneapolis. Independent, well, she's a phenomenal investigative journalist. She's joining us tomorrow. More stuff always coming out about George Floyd, why it's important to all of us. We'll see you tomorrow. Peace. Peace.